Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Faith isn't a blind leap. It's a reasonable step based on good evidence. In some ways, faith is more like a journey. So by show of hands, how many people here are morning people? All right. So I'm assuming, but I could be wrong, how many people are night people? All right. Pretty 50-50, pretty down the middle. And some people, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I guess you just might not be at your best at any time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but for me, I... I I think I've become a bit more of a morning person lately. Amanda might disagree with me on this one, but I think it's out of necessity because we have little kids, so you have to become a morning person, but it hasn't always been this way. I was a night person through and through, and I would come home from work and I'd get this second uh, burst of energy, and if it was before midnight, we still had time to kill. We had stuff to do. People could come over and hang out, and uh, that's just when I... became alive, and I don't know if that's good or not. What happened was then I met Amanda, and we went off to university together, and her dorm was just about 100 yards away from where my dorm was, so we would spend all hours together. So we would stay out super late, and then we'd get up super early in the morning to, to hang out more together, and it was interesting because I actually wasn't that tired. Now, I couldn't sustain that for too long, but I still remember the one night um, that Amanda and I uh, went out, and we were under the stars for hours and hours and hours, and I think it was actually the uh, the night of our first kiss. And uh, when when I was coming back to the dorm, I realized it was about 4.30 in the morning at this point. That's BC time. So it was 7.30 here. So I'm like, oh, I can give my mom a call because I was on cloud nine. I was doing great. And uh, so I'm like, oh, she's getting ready for work. And so then I'd go to bed and then I'd wake up for my 9 a.m. class and I became a different person. I had fallen in love. I, I was head over heels and my life from that point, really has never been the same again. The old life had gone, and a new life had begun. And that's what Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth when he says, those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. For the old life has gone, a new life has begun. In other words, he says, relationships are really exciting. And the most exciting relationship is your relationship with God. He says, those who become Christians. What does that mean? What does the word Christian mean? Well, I was tempted to show you a video, but I think I'm going to save it for Easter. Ren Collective has a great little uh, four-minute clip on a Christian, and when you remove Christ from Christian, you're just left with Ian. 
and I'll leave you in suspense on that cliffhanger until Easter. But what does the word Christian mean? Nowadays, it, Christian sometimes comes with a lot of baggage. It comes with some negative connotations. And for other people, it comes with uh, quite positive feelings and thoughts. Some people think, well, Christian, like that, that's a really good person. That's a really nice person. But does, does that mean that? Because many atheists are extremely nice people, but they wouldn't want to be known as Christians because they're not. Other people say, well, surely we're all Christians because, well, we're born in a Christian country or we're born in a Christian home. But being born in a Christian country doesn't make you a Christian any more than being born in a McDonald's makes you a hamburger or being born in Starbucks gives you gold card status. doesn't work that way. I had to earn my gold card at Starbucks. It just doesn't follow. So what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who follows Jesus, someone who puts their faith in Jesus. And of course, how, how that happens varies enormously. For some people, there's this definite moment where they can say it was on January 17th, 1976 at this time, and they just know it. And it's that's when they became a Christian. But for others, like me, it, it was more of a journey. And it wasn't this, this linear approach where it's ABC, but it was kind of this whole mess where I grew up in a Christian home and it kind of didn't know what I believed and then was baptized and then still went through a crisis of faith. And it was just a mess, like spaghetti altogether. It used to be that people had to believe, or there was this understanding or this way of operating, that it was belief before belonging, that you would kind of believe and then you'd kind of be accepted into this larger body. But the longer I've been in ministry and I've encountered and heard firsthand people's stories, it's amazing how God works and that it's not always this way of being. I still remember this one guy's story where he had no idea about Jesus or church or anything, but his friend was going on a missions trip to Mexico to build homes. And this guy wanted to just go build homes. And he thought, hey, I like my friend. I, we could help some people out. Let's do this. Little did he know that he would encounter Jesus on that missions trip and later become a pastor. And it's just amazing to me how God works in so many different ways. But my hope is that my children will be able to say one day, that, you know what, I, I can't really remember a time in my life that I wasn't a Christian. I was brought up like that, and I'm still a Christian because I believe it, and I own it. And, and that's my hope for them. I don't know what is in store, what decisions they're going to make, but I like how C.S. Lewis puts this. Because some people would say, well, at one point I wasn't a Christian, now I am a Christian, I can't tell you exactly when. And he uses this analogy of people who are on a train from Paris to Berlin. And some people know the exact moment they cross the border. But other people might have been asleep, and they don't know the exact moment they cross the border. But what matters is that they know they're in Berlin. And what matters is that we know that we're Christians now. And what the New Testament says is that we can know that we're a Christian. It's put like this in John's gospel. To all who received him, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed, those who had faith in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What John's saying here is, 
is this is the closest possible intimate relationship of love. It's like a child and a parent. In other places, it's talked about a lover or like a friend. And sometimes the New Testament even uses the analogy of a husband and a wife. It's that close. It's this intimate relationship. Now, if you're married, you know that you're married. And if you're a Christian, you can know that you're a Christian. Imagine you, you say to my wife, Amanda, Amanda, are you married? And she says, yeah, but not with any real experience of a relationship. Or sort of, or not sure, maybe ish, married-ish. Or yeah, but looking back, possibly no. You'd kind of be like, huh? Like what? Like I'd, I'd want her to know. But you see, God also wants you to know. 1 John 5.13, John writes this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're a Christian. You can know that you have faith. You can know that you have eternal life. So what is this faith, this confidence, this assurance based on? Well, it's based on three legs. A good way of putting it is kind of like a tripod based on these three pillars, and you need each of them in order to, to be stable and to stand it up. Each of them is essential. So the first one, and it's in your handouts on your table too, is talk point one. The first leg is the word of God. It's based on facts. It's not based on feelings. Because our feelings, as we know, they go up, they go down. But the facts remain the facts. So continuing on with this analogy of marriage, if you ask me, how do I know I'm married? I can point you to this. It's our marriage certificate. And it's a document that shows that Amanda and I were married on June 13th, 2009. It's evidence that we're married. And if you ask me how I know I'm a Christian, I would point you to another document, the Word of God, the Bible. And sometimes people say, like, you know, it's fine for you. You have faith. You're lucky. I don't have faith. Kind of like you either have it or you don't have it. But that's not the case. It's not like that. Paul writes this to the Romans. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Now, maybe this is something you've been experiencing at the well for a bit or since we've started the Alpha series. You've come here and you hear this being explained and you think, hey, I, I might actually be getting to have a little bit of faith. That's awesome. Another way you can do it is simply by picking up the Bible too and reading through it. Read through one of the Gospels. I know some people who have, have claimed to be atheists, but they want to be able to intelligently debate and they start picking up the Bible. And as they begin reading through it, they encounter Jesus and they begin to experience faith. There's a verse which comes, a promise which comes toward the end of the New Testament, in Revelation 3.20. It's a famous verse where Jesus says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Holman Hunt is a pre-Raphaelite artist. He illustrated this verse with a painting. And he actually painted this three times. The most famous one hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral, and it's called The Light of the World. And this is what the verse is saying. 
Imagine that your life is like a house and Jesus is standing there knocking at the door of your life. And he's saying, here I am. I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. I'd like to come into your life, into the house of your life and be part of your life. I want to come in and eat with you. And eating together, it's a beautiful picture of friendship. So effectively, Jesus is saying, I want to be your friend. I want to come in. And that's what it means to be a Christian. It's to be a friend of Jesus. Jesus is saying, look, here I am. I'm standing at the door of your life. I'd love to come in and eat with you. I'd love to come in and be a friend of yours. And if you look at this painting, what you'll see is that the door is kind of overgrown with thorns and weeds. And it's kind of like this person has never opened the door to their life. And when Holman Hunt first painted this painting, people said, that's a great painting. But someone told him, look, you've actually made a mistake in this painting. Do you realize you've made a mistake? And he said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, there actually isn't a door handle on the door. And I know it's kind of hard to see in in this light. But he responded by saying, it's actually not a mistake at all. The handle's on the inside of the door. God's not going to force his way into your life. He wants you to open that door as he stands there and knocks. His promise is this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. It's not I might come in or I'll think about it. You can be sure that if you invite him in, he will always be with you. He'll never leave you. And he says this relationship, it's not just for right now, but it's for eternity. That's what we looked at last week when we looked at the resurrection, that Jesus is alive now. He can be in a relationship with you now. And that relationship goes beyond life. It goes on into eternity. So that's the first leg of this tripod, the word of God. The second leg of the tripod is the work of Jesus. It's done. It's not due. Let me explain. So again, if you ask me, how do I know I'm married? I can point you to the marriage certificate, but I can also point you to an event that took place right here in Hamilton, June 13th, 2009. That's when our wedding took place. And we're coming up on 10 years. But uh, thank you. (laughs) It's crazy because they go by so fast. And you look at people who were married 10 years when we were first married, and it's like, whoa, they've been married forever. And now I'm like, really? Like, but I have this event that, that, we, that took place, that we celebrated in, that others were part of. So if you ask me, how do I know I'm a Christian? I can also point you to an event in history that others were at, that others witnessed and saw and have recorded. And that's the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And sometimes people will say, well, I don't think I could be a Christian because I'm, I'm not good enough. Or if, if I actually become a Christian, there's a few things I need to get in order first. But that's not how it works. It's come exactly as you are. It's not about what you do or what you can achieve. It's all about what has been done for you by Jesus on the cross. That's what we looked at last week. 
that we receive total forgiveness and you receive it as a gift, the free gift. Paul writes this, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I don't know what you feel when you hear that expression, free gift. Because I know for me, as a cynic or a skeptic or whatever you want to label me as, I think, oh no, I, I don't believe it. Free gift, there's bound to be a catch. And we're deeply suspicious of anyone who tries to offer us a free gift. So I was trying to think of some examples of where my skepticism shoots up immediately. And my cell phone number is the number that's our church number. It's on all of our documentation. It's on our website. And you wouldn't believe how many calls each week I get that I've won a million dollars. And I would love those to be true. Uh, they're not. <laughs> they, uh, they're like, you've won a million dollars. Or the ones I actually really love are the ones that, that call me up and say that there's been suspicious activity on our account. So if I call them back with all of my details, then they can make sure that it's secure for me. That one's a great one. It's like, seriously? But I remember another time that Chris and Alex and Amanda and myself took place in this, um, I think it's called 101. Uh, it's, it's a nationwide movement that happens in different cities each year across Canada. And I know Hamilton has participated in it for a few years. And they encourage you to, to do 100 different initiatives in your community uh, to be able to um, just to help people out. And there have been times where people, they paint parks or they'll clean up different things or um, have this or that. And Donut Monster was one of the businesses that, that wanted to get behind people who were involved in these initiatives. And they said, if you're willing to give out our donuts for free with your initiative, we'll give you up to three dozen and you can just hand them out. So Alex uh, drove down on a Saturday morning, got us our three dozen, and we're like, well, we're going to be planting a church in Binbrook, so let's just sit on our front lawn and hand out donuts. And we sat there and I don't think anyone came while we were sitting there, and we're like, okay. But it was a Saturday morning, so we thought, hey, let's actually walk around to garage sales and hand out free donuts. Well, do, do you know the amount of suspicion that people had when we're just walking around with our kids, and we're like, hey, here, have a free donut. Like, why? What? Why? What's wrong with them? And we had to keep assuring people there's nothing wrong with them. We're just handing them out. And uh, man... We've just become so suspicious to anything that's free. And we think, you know what? God's offering this free gift, but there's got to be a catch. But there isn't a catch. It is free, but it's not cheap. And it cost Jesus his life. He died for you. He died for me so that we could be forgiven and receive this gift of eternal life, this gift of a relationship with him. And we receive it through repentance and faith. And repentance, it sounds like this scary word or this big heavy word. It's really not. It's just this, this turning away from the crap that we've done or the, the bad things in our life, the junk. And we just, it's just a 180. It's just like facing this way and you're like, I need to change things. And it's just turning around and facing Christ. You know what? Sometimes people wrestle with this whole idea that, oh man, we have to turn away from the bad stuff. But that stuff doesn't do us any good anyway. 
God loves us, and he never asks us to give up things that are good for us. He just says, get rid of the junk. Turn away from it. Sometimes people talk about the cost of being a Christian. The cost of being a Christian is nothing compared to, being the, compared to the cost of not being a Christian. The cost of being a Christian is nothing compared to what it costs Jesus to make it possible for us to have this relationship with God. That's repentance. It's this 180 turn. And faith. Faith is just trust. That's what it means. Everyone exercises faith. You're exercising faith by sitting on the chairs tonight. Some of them you might have a little less faith in than others, but uh, that's an act of faith. We're, we're all going through these different variances and levels and acts of faith throughout our life. People who are atheists, they're exercising their faith in the fact that they believe there is no God. That's an act of faith. You can't prove it, but they base their life on it as an act of faith. So I want us to look at another person's story of their coming to faith. I remember growing up in a house where I would jump on my kitchen table and I would see this white powder and I didn't understand what that was. And I remember hearing gunshots and growing up in an environment that uh, became normal to me. When I was a little boy being brought up in drug cartels and having a family that was connected to the mafia, seeing drugs everywhere around me, then losing a fiance and ending up in federal prison. And for me, that was my bottom. That was the end of my road. I didn't know how to get out of this and I could only turn to Jesus. And here I was in a situation, but I knew that God could redeem me. And so I began to make changes in prison. The moment that I accepted Jesus, it wasn't that I changed who I was. It was that I accepted who I was and I became who he wanted me to be. And I found purpose, I found meaning, I found hope. God took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece. And now, seeing my life being redeemed, the story of redemption, that now I have a beautiful wife, I have a son, and I get to be part of a community of faith, hope, and love. I love that one line that he, he shares in there, that. It wasn't that I changed who I was. It was that I accepted who I was. I became who he wanted me to be. Sometimes we try so hard to white-knuckle it ourselves, and we're like, I can do better. This week, I, I've got this. But it's actually accepting that, you know what? I've tried, and I, I can't do this better myself. I've got to accept the help and the love of Jesus. So that's the second leg of the tripod, the work of Jesus. The third one is the witness of the Holy Spirit. It's him, not us. So again, you ask me how I know I'm married. I can point to the marriage certificate. I can point to the event that took place here. But I can also point to our soon-to-be 10 years of marriage and the experience of that. And if you ask me how I know I'm a Christian, I can point to the word of God. I can point to the event of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But I can also point now to over a decade of experience of a relationship with him. And in that verse we looked at in Revelation 3.20, where Jesus is standing at the door knocking, he says, if anyone opens the door, 
I will come in. He comes in by his spirit. It's the spirit of Jesus who comes to live within you. And Jesus says about the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Now, I don't know why my, whenever I, I say that or think that, I automatically think of a walk to remember. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, where Landon is saying at the end, that's the first time I heard the name Landon, and he's saying at the end, he's like, your love is like the wind. I can't see it, but I can feel it. I don't know. If you're tracking with me, good. If not, just keep moving on. <laughs> but you, you can't see the wind. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen the wind? No. But do you believe the wind exists? Of course. Why? Because you see its impact. You see its power. You see what happens to the leaves. You see the power of the wind. And and that's the same way with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say, I don't think I'm a Christian. I haven't had any of this dramatic experience. And they're sort of expecting that they've got to see something, that Jesus has got to appear in their bedroom and, and call out to them. But it's not like that. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see its impact. And you can see the impact, for example, on your own life and on the lives of others. Maybe there's someone here today and you say, the reason I'm here is I actually saw the impact on a friend's life or on a family member's life. I know I'm, I'm a, a Christian from many generations, but it's through their witnesses and their family members coming to Jesus and, and seeing the impact of the Holy Spirit changing lives that, that the faith has continued on in our family. That's where we're observing the wind. We're observing the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe even in your own life, you're beginning to see a change. Maybe something's happened even in the last few weeks, and you might be thinking, man, like th- things are beginning to change. I'm, I'm seeing the impact. So how do we change? Well, Galatians 5.22 to 23, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is how we change. The things that start to change when the Spirit comes to live within us. And that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it doesn't always come at once. Sometimes we're given opportunities That's always the worst when you're praying for patience and you just hope that you get a good dose of it, but really you get the opportunity to actually put it into practice. You're like, just give me patience. I can't work through this. But the Holy Spirit can actually come and transform your life. And and there are stories, and I'm sure that many of you have witnessed people who you thought were so far from God and then God grabs a hold of their life and it's just this complete one and you see the power of the Holy Spirit working in such a way that you're like, what? That wasn't anything like they were before. These are the kinds of ways the Spirit changes us. Being a Christian doesn't make you better than anybody else, but hopefully it makes you better than you were before. So I love how Nikki describes how the Holy Spirit began to change him. So I'm actually going to show one last clip of his, his testimony. It began to change the way I related to God, to Jesus. I belong to a club where I uh, mainly play squash, but it's also a gym. And over the years, I've got to know the guys down there, and they're they're mainly taxi drivers, scaffolders, builders. There's a male stripper who's become a good friend of mine. (laughs) Uh, And 
we all have nicknames for each other. They call me Nick the Vic. <laughs> and one time I was, quite recently, I was chatting to one of the guys down there, and he said to me, so, so how many people come to your church on Sunday? So I said, oh, about 5,000 people. He said, Jesus! I said, yeah, that's why they come. It's all about <laughs> Jesus. Before I was a Christian, to me, like to him, the word Jesus was a swear word. But the moment I became a Christian, the word Jesus, that's a friend. And then the way that I related to other Christians. Before I was a Christian, I thought these Christians, they were so weird. I mean, at the university I was at, they used to have porridge parties. <laughs> I mean, who goes to a party and sits around eating porridge? <laughs> but then I became a Christian and I went to a porridge party. <laughs> And the people there became my friends. And still, decades later, some of them are really good friends. And the way that I related to everyone, I felt a new love for people, people I'd never met, for the poor, for the prisoners. I just felt a love for other people. So next week, porridge parties. <laughs> oh, man, that does sound pretty lame, though. But uh, I, I just love hearing stories of, of God at work, changing lives. And there are these objective changes that take place in our lives, but through the Spirit, there's also these subjective experiences that take place. Paul writes that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And it, it's this move from faith to knowledge. We're kind of taking the step of faith to actually knowing who Jesus is. And as you take a step of faith, which at the end of this service, I'll, I'll, I'll provide a, an opportunity for people to, to, to open that door, invite Jesus to come in. But as that experience begins to take place, it, it moves from faith to knowledge of a relationship to knowing a person. Another thing about the wind is that just as you can see the impact of the wind, you can feel the wind. And like the wind, you can feel the Holy Spirit. Not physically feel, but you can feel his love for you. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. We experience his love for us. And I just have this, this picture that God just wants to pick us up and hold us. That, that's what I envision when I, I picture this loving Heavenly Father. And, and when Landon was first born, or I had all these ideas of what it was going to be like as a first-time dad and as, as a new parent. And um, I've learned that none of those were actually accurate. But um, what I longed for was those, that picturesque moment where you pick up your baby and you just cuddle and hold him. Well, from as early as I can remember, that hasn't been Landon whatsoever. I remember getting him home from the hospital, and we walk into our place, and his head's popping up. And he's looking around, trying to see the, the new environment. And I'm just like, put your head back. Let's cuddle. <laughs> but you know what? It's those moments when Landon's tired or he's not feeling well, and all he wants to do is cuddle and be held. I'm there. Amanda will correct me, so I'll just put it out there. If it's the middle of the night, I might not be there. I'll kind of... <laughs> but you know what? That, that's what I long for, is to just pick him up, to hold him, 
And that's what being a Christian is like. It's just God picking us up, holding us to know that we're loved, to know that we're held. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to have the Spirit of God living within you. That's what it means to be living in a relationship with God. So may we take a moment to, if you'd like to, just take a moment to be quiet. And if anyone is here that, that wants to pray, I want to give you that opportunity. And, and you might be thinking, I'm, I'm not ready for this. But maybe there's just one person who just wants to pray and open this door. And I want to give you the opportunity to open that door to Jesus. So here's a prayer that you can pray. It's a prayer just saying sorry for the past, thanking Jesus for what he's done on the cross for you and inviting him to come into your life by his spirit. So just echo this in the silence of your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much. I'm now turning away from all that bad stuff, that junk that's derailed my life. And if anything comes to your mind that you need to ask forgiveness for, you can ask that now. And just say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me so that I could be forgiven, that I could be set free. I now receive your forgiveness. I put my trust in you. I ask you to to come into my heart by your Holy Spirit and to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And we're just going to wrap up here with uh, just some table discussion. Um, If you prayed that prayer, if you uh, want to talk more, uh, you can do so around your tables. You can share that with someone or just also put it on your connection card and drop it in the offering, which we'll take up in a little bit. But uh, we have some discussion questions that uh, we'll have about 15 minutes to talk about around our tables. And there, what did you think or feel about the talk? What does faith mean to you? What do you think about the evidence for Christianity that was presented here? Sorry, try if I put background audio on that. And how can, we, uh, how can a person have faith in someone that he, she can't see?